Hi, I'm Kevin Barrett. You're listening to Truth Jihad Radio, blowing the Overton window wide open since 2006. If you like this kind of free speech radio, go to truthjihad.com and click on the subscribe at Substack link. Welcome back. This is the second hour of Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett, broadcasting out of an undisclosed location deep in the Wisconsin woods. You can hear all these shows through early access by way of my Substack. You can subscribe to Substack through truthjihad.com and click on the subscribe at Substack link. Okay, let's move into the second hour here. Uh, the second hour guest is Angela Stanton King. She's a best-selling author. She's president of the American King Foundation. She ran for Congress in Georgia's 5th District, and she is currently campaigning against medical apartheid, which she calls a kind of population control. Population control comes in different forms, vaccines, abortions, mass incarceration, and perverted sexual agendas targeting children. Population control is racist. So... That's uh, pretty uh, pretty hardcore, but it's pretty it's 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 true. <laughs> and let's uh, get into it. So, hey, welcome, Angela King. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm wonderful. Okay, so uh, you know we've just been through a really strange moment in history with this COVID panic, the uh, destruction of liberty worldwide, and trying to force these experimental so-called vaccines on everybody, and now suddenly. It seems that everybody's forgotten COVID because Russia is so scary. Um, so wh- what do you think is, is really going on here? Um, uh, medical apartheid, uh, that's what's going on here. I mean, I've been watching it from day one. I never thought it really made sense. Um, not, I don't, you don't have to be a medical doctor, um, you know, or some type of rocket scientist to know when things just aren't adding up. I mean, it was, you know, shot and then booster shot after booster shot, and it was lose your job, then it was lose, you know, your your place as far as, you know, if you're in school, getting kicked out. It was just absolutely horrible. And, I mean, when they first started saying that it was disproportionately impacting uh, communities of color, I knew then, I said, oh, God, here we go again. Um, Just like before in the days of, you know, with the Tuskegee experiment, you know, when they had doctors who were, you know, operating on Southern slaves and, you know, without anesthesia. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And it was an absolute complete, you know, shock to see something like that happen in our lifetime. And now, like you said, it's all done and over with and everybody's come back to normal as if nothing ever happened. Yeah, it's it's just bizarre. And it's also kind of bizarre how the two years of COVID coincided with two years of uh, hysteria over Black Lives Matter and critical race theory and this and that. There was a this, the same people who were so extreme in their insisting that everybody had to get COVID shots uh, were also insisting that they were anti-racist and they had a hard time figuring out uh, how to deal with the fact that communities of color tended to be uh, a bit more skeptical of mainstream medical wisdom than uh, than the other communities. 
And uh, there was a very patronizing tone, I thought, adopted. Uh, so there were tremendous resources were put into trying to convince uh, black people in places like New York to get vaccinated. And that it how, how do you what, what how do you see that kind of strange contradiction of these self-professed extreme anti-racists who are at the same time uh, being condescending and uh, pushing this vaccine on black communities with really intense uh, kind of propaganda and even in some cases uh, arm twisting and coercion? Well, I mean, the sad part about it is that if it was something that was experimental, um, that just goes to tell you about the history of this country always, you know, not always, but the majority of time, you know, experimenting on black Americans when it comes to medical practices or for the advancement um, of medicine or it's it's it, it's truly sad to see. And it kind of, you know, it's similar to what we saw happen with, with AIDS and what we see happen with so many other things that impact the black community. Somehow, and the question is why? Why is it that, you know, heart disease, diabetes, you know, COVID, AIDS, mass incarceration, abortion, why is it that all of these things disproportionately impact black communities or communities of color? And so when you ask yourself that question and you see how they were intentionally targeting not only certain people, certain areas, and we know that the majority of people that lived in those areas were black Americans. So when when they forced a, a, a vaccine mandate and, and people lost their jobs and people couldn't go to school and people couldn't travel and couldn't go in certain stores, the black community once again was disproportionately impacted by that because only 23% had been vaccinated. And, you know, and you talk about this all being about population control. And there has been some speculation that COVID might be a big population control program. I, mean, I personally, I, you know, of all of the kinds of conspiracy speculation about COVID, I think the one that's best grounded in documented factual reality is the likelihood that COVID was unleashed as an American biological warfare attack on China and Iran. That's probably where it came from. But there is also the possibility that it is it was intentionally allowed to bounce back and hit the West as well. Uh, and it primarily tends to kill older people and people with health issues. And these are people who are often regarded as kind of useless eaters uh, by the more, uh, I guess, calling them Nazi like would be an insult to the Nazis. But there's a certain element uh, in uh, places like the Rockefeller Institute and you know, the Bill Gates circles that thinks that the earth needs to you know, reduce its population to survive ecologically. And, and, and our economy is in bad shape because of this inverse population pyramid. We have too many old people and infirm people who can't work and too few young, healthy people who can work to support all the old people. So suddenly this disease is miraculously killing off the old people and the uh, the, the people who can't work. And that's solving the West's biggest single economic problem, which is that that upside down age pyramid. And then there's the issue of possible fertility impediments associated with both the disease itself and with the vaccine. 
you know, maybe the disease itself is is killing off the useless eaters and maybe the vaccine is reducing the fertility of the younger survivors. That might be one reason they're so anxious to vaccinate all of the younger people. If they're trying to solve a population problem uh, <laughs> by other means, that might be how they would do it. I mean, do I am I sounding like a completely paranoid conspiracy theorist or, or do you think this is actually <laughs> not unfounded speculation? No, you don't sound like a conspiracy theorist at all. They love to say that, but we actually sit and we watch all of this play out right before our our eyes. This is it, you know. This is factual information um, that you're given and that people are receiving here, which is one of the reasons why my organization took it upon itself to go from city to city and begin educating Black communities on the dangers of COVID and also giving them a chance to hear from. Doctors like uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, Dr. Robert and, and Jill Malone, um, Dr. Richard Urso, Dr. Simone Gold, Dr. Stella Emanuel, all those doctors that said, you know what, um, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm taking a chance here, but I took an oath to, to save life and, and I took an oath to serve my patients. And what they've done is so miraculous, the information that we've learned and how we're looking at now, all of a sudden, everyone wants to act as if these mandates didn't happen. <laughs> this is something that was all political. One day we're all going to die in the next minute. No one is thinking about COVID anymore because everyone is concerned about Russia. So if people can't see that this was something that was intentional and time will tell, time will definitely tell. And it's sad that they used something like that in order to target a particular group of people, but this is nothing new, and it's something that's been happening for quite a long time. Even when it comes to abortion, abortion is also a form of birth control. We know that the majority of their abortion clinics are in communities of color, so it's not a stretch for us to believe that this is definitely another tactic of population control that is targeting people of color. Well, there is that history of eugenics that would uh, support what you're saying. And I wonder what you think about the uh, pushing of like these gender confusion agendas on the culture in general and uh, the black community in particular. Uh, I've had radio guests like Randy Short. Uh, he's a, a minister uh, who thinks that there's been an intentional kind of pushing of, of what he views as sort of sexual perversion on black communities as part of a population agenda, an intentional assault on the black family. He thinks that's been going on for, for many, many decades. And it's interesting that it's actually sort of the left and the liberal element of the political spectrum that's doing the pushing. It's the same element that changed the welfare laws to favor uh, unmarried uh, motherhood back in the 1960s. And likewise, these same liberals are now uh, pushing for gender oddness uh, that seems to disrupt uh, family values and healthy, stable families. And I know Randy is very upset about the way these things are being pushed in the black community. I take it you're more or less on that wavelength, too. Um, I'm definitely. I actually happen to be a parent of a um, son who decided to transition um, at the age of 19 years old and I found myself, you know, asking, you know, where did this come from? How did this happen? This is nothing that I taught in my home. And I realized that a lot of this stuff was contributed to um, social affirmation and societal norms 
something that's being pushed in um, our society, something that we're seeing in entertainment. Not only that, we saw it on the Black Lives Matter website. They said that they were here to disrupt the nuclear family. And it is absolutely a form, another form of birth control, because if if you are confusing a boy to think that, that he's a, a girl, like how do you turn a boy into a woman before he even has a chance to become a man? So the process of hormone blockers or beginning this sterilization process, you know, in our children, you know, so they won't be able to reproduce. If if you cut it off, it can't grow back. And if they're pushing these these sexual agendas, the the only sex that can create life is is heterosexual sex. So two men cannot create a baby, and two women cannot create a baby. So it's definitely another form of population control. And isn't it ironic that it's the self-proclaimed anti-racists who are carrying on the current form of the war on the African-American family that was once carried on by the slavers? You know, that's the it's well known that slavery horrifically disrupted uh, family life. Uh, and, you know, you could be sold and, and taken away from your family at any time. And indeed, they deliberately did that sometimes. They didn't want. Uh, slaves to have strong family ties because that having a strong community and if the family is the base of the community, you get that strong community and you're not quite so easy to control. Now it seems that something kind of similar actually is going on, only it's the self-professed uh, anti-racists who are on the side of the forces disrupting the black family. Yeah, um, it's amazing to me how the propaganda and um, but, you know, what I love, I love that the year of 2020, I tell people all the time, was definitely the year of 2020 vision. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not grateful for what has happened, but I am grateful that things have taken place and Black America has begun to wake up and open their eyes to the um, what's really happening. And they know how they've been used and, and they're understanding the propaganda machine. They're understanding the, the liberal lies of the left. They're understanding, you know, the media being in control and the, the misinformation. They're watching how people who were respected yesterday are being disrespected today. Many of those frontline workers who, who lost their jobs, who were yesterday's heroes and then today's villains, all because they didn't get a shot or a vaccine. These are their mothers. These are their fathers. So the black community is finally waking up and it'll be interesting to see um, how things turn out in 2024. It will. And that brings us to the topic of electoral politics. And so you were actually pardoned by uh, President Donald Trump. And uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about that story. It's really an amazing story. I actually wrote about it in my book, Caught in a Coup, um, which is available online. Um, I did receive a pardon from President Donald J. Trump um, on February 18th, uh, 2020, which was the day before my birthday, after really advocating for people that had been in prison. We passed the First Step Act and we had submitted a list of over 100 names of people we thought were qualified for a pardon. And it was a complete surprise to me when I received a pardon myself, but I will say that it was well-deserved. And um, President Donald Trump, you know, has done a lot to uh, re, um, unite some of the families that have been separated by, you know, Joe Biden's 94 crime bill and, and mass incarceration. People talk about, you know, family separation at the border. 
without even understanding that family separations happen within our border every day. Even COVID was a form of family separation for American families. You know, we were told that we can't go see our parents or we can't go see our families or, you know, the elders in our families. We died alone in nursing homes or we missed out on family reunions or they missed grandchildren being born. I mean, it was just absolutely horrible. Um, but President Trump was also with the awesome with the passing of the First Step Act. And me receiving a pardon was awesome. But what he's done for so many people in our communities was just something that I'll never forget. Wonderful and, experience. And, of course, that the media uh, is, is not really uh, in sync with that story at all. You know, the, the media uh, was uh, unhappy that uh, Trump appeared to improve his uh, his election results in communities of color, uh, the black community and the Latino community, I believe, both in the last election. And Trump has now been really demonized. Uh, frankly, I'm not a Trump fan myself, uh, <laughs> to say the least. I think the guy, you know, he's got, he's got serious problems. The people he put in there for foreign policy, Pompeo and, and Bolton and those people have even more serious problems. Uh, and, and he didn't succeed in getting a lot of the good things done that one might wish that he could have. Uh, but, uh, one, at the same time, this, uh, hysteria, uh, around him strikes me as, as really, uh, strange. Um, and, and now it, we're sort of on the eve of the possibility that he'll be indicted or charged with crimes or what have you. Of course, that's been going on for a while. Uh, so you were talking about the upcoming elections. We're coming into the midterms. This year and then two years from now, another round of presidential elections. And maybe you could speculate on, on what you think might be coming in, in terms of uh, both. You know, I'm, the, hope, the, I'm hoping that our focus more on policy and not the person. Um, so many times we see people voting for people because this is the popular person or this is the person that they like. And especially when it comes to communities of color, we're often tricked into voting against our own interests. And I think that we, 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 the majority of people now can see how this media machine lies and plays on the emotions and intelligence of communities of color. And it'll be interesting to see how people vote moving forward, regardless of who the candidate is policy wise. Will the black community continue to vote majority Democrat or will they choose to vote for another? party like the Republican Party simply because their policies um, are better fit for their communities. And, and what are some of the key policies that you see uh, as reasons to vote, say, for Republicans? Well, well for one, we, we can't vote against life. We can no longer say that we're an oppressed minority and, and we're voting to abort the future. Um, the issue of abortion in the black community is something that has to be addressed. And as long as we are voting Democrat, then we are voting for the next generation to be aborted and not for the next generation to live. And if we are concerned about being an oppressed minority, then why are we aborting our own army and killing our own votes? Who's okay. That, that's uh, that's certainly one one issue. Uh, and how, how about the economic issues? Because it, it occurs to me that you know, the black community has really been uh, disproportionately impacted by the destruction of the productive American economy, which I was talking okay. about with yeah, Andre Martinoff earlier. 
Um, how yeah. can we, you know, what policies should be adopted to fix that? Economics, you know, a hand up, not necessarily a handout. Black people deserve more than, than welfare. If, if Joe Biden can advocate to give illegal immigrants $450,000, why is black America only good enough to receive welfare and few food coupons every 30 days? Economic empowerment is also needed for the black community and communities of color. School choice is also another issue that's needed for the black community and communities of color. If they're going to legalize sexualizing our children, if they're going to legalize teaching our children about issues like gender identity and, and transhumanism and pre-K and kindergarten, at least give people a choice as to where they would like for their children to be educated. So there are a number of reasons as to why the black community should no longer vote Democrat. We've voted majorly Democrat for the past 60 years, and look where we're at. It's definitely time to do something different. The definition of insanity is to continue to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. And regardless of who the president is, the president is, it's right now that the Democrat Party is, is focused on illegal immigration and gender identity issues, which do not benefit the black community at all. Well, I can't really disagree with you that much on those issues. But, you know, I wonder if there could be a situation like the one that uh, Samuel Aryan faced. He was uh, organizing the Muslim voters, especially in Florida, in uh, 2000. And he, his big issue was that Muslims were being arrested and without charges. Uh, basically, anybody in the Muslim community that didn't like Israel stood in danger of being arrested and maybe deported or just held without any charges. This was even before 9-11. And so Samuel Aryan ran against that, and he went to the, both the Democrats and Republicans and, they, and said, you know, will you promise to end this? And the Democrats would not promise, but uh, the Bush and Cheney campaign did promise. So Samuel Aryan convinced the Muslim voters of America and especially Florida to vote Republican. So he flipped the vote. It had been 90 percent Democrat before that. And in 2000, it was 90 percent plus voted Republican. And they put Bush and Cheney in the White House. And on uh, September 11, 2001, Samuel Aryan was scheduled to meet with President Bush to sign into law or to rather to sign an executive order ending the process or this, this practice of uh, detention of Muslims without trial. And, of course, we all know what happened that morning. And so that meeting was canceled. And the next thing you know, the Zionists had arrested Samuel Aryan and uh, charged him with basically being a terrorist for supporting the people of Palestine who were resisting genocide. So long story short. Uh, Muslims, many of them anyway, who are paying attention, uh, recognize that when they switched from Democrat to Republican in hopes of something better in the year 2000, it didn't work out too well for them. Uh, and I'm afraid something like that could happen if uh, African-Americans go Republican because the Republican Party, even though it's kind of shifted in the right direction to a certain extent recently, it's become a little more populist. It's traditionally been the party of the richest and most greedy and selfish American oligarchs who just rape and plunder the population. And they've traditionally actually been pro-immigration. And the people you know, supporting the immigration laws right now, the reason that we have loose immigration laws is because wealthy, powerful oligarchs want cheap labor. And those wealthy, powerful oligarchs actually are 
as aligned with the Republican Party is with the Democratic Party. So I'm just wondering if we need to try to change the Republican Party even more before we really start having any high hopes for them. Well, what I'll say is that um, I, I, I believe in the Republican Party. I believe that the Republican Party is changing. I also believe that the faces of the Republican Party are changing. And when President Trump was talking about draining the swamp, he wasn't just talking about Democrats. He was talking about the entire Congress. So, yeah, there's dirt on both sides. But black people cannot continue to support the Democrat Party in any way whatsoever, because what the Democrat Party has become today goes totally against black life. We can no longer afford yet. You can't say black lives matter and vote to execute black life in the womb. It doesn't make sense. We can't expect other people to value our lives if we are not via valuing the creation um, or the sanctity of black life. It goes totally against, you know, who we are as a people. When when we marched um, during civil rights, nobody was marching for a right to abort their children. Nobody has been marching for the right to sexually transition their children. Nobody has been marching for the right to castrate their sons. The Democrat Party is a danger to the black community. So that's definitely not the way to go. And so I think that more people need to get involved. More people need to run for office. We definitely need to drain the swamp, get old ones out, get new ones in. Times change. People change. We grow. But should the black community be following the squad? Women like Ayanna Presley, women like Maxine Waters, where you don't see a husband, you never see a representation of the black family. Absolutely not. That has to change. And I don't know if, you know, that's the answer, but something different has to be done. Okay. Uh, well, I, I agree. And I, I wonder what extent you think it's important that religion uh, be re, re revalued. Uh, you know, it seems to me that uh, for the kinds of stable family values that you advocate, uh, traditionally, if you look cross-culturally, you know, at, at different times and places in history, uh, a strong religious culture is often associated with a strong family culture. And it seems that we've seen a, a real breaking down of religion in the U.S. in general and in the African-American community in particular. That's what Pastor Randy Short says on this show. That's what some of the uh, the people in the Nation of Islam who come on this show say. Uh, would you agree with that? And if so, how would one go about reinvigorating religion in the black community? Um, let me just say that I honestly believe that, that, that race and religion are some of the the leading causes of war and causes of division when it comes to people. Um, we're, we're divided by the color of, of our skin. We're divided by what and who we choose to worship. I just believe that, you know, religion is important. Religion was created for, for the betterment of humanity. Um, it's to give us a way of life, to, to respect each other, to coincide with each other, to live in harmony. But I honestly believe that we need to get back to common sense. You, you don't have to be, you know, a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim to know that a man can't become a woman. You don't have to be a Christian or a Muslim or a Jew or black or white or poor or rich to understand that every person came into this earth the same way through their mother's womb, their mother got pregnant. Like you don't have to be religious to know that, that you are ending a life. So I think that if we just get back to common sense, um, what, what's natural, uh, what we know to be true, what's factual, 
then we will be a lot better off. Oh, well, uh, yeah, that's right. The, the natural element there uh, kind of stands out for me. And that uh, ties in with one of the COVID agendas uh, seems to have been this great reset that in many ways you know, seems to be about uh, being opposed to nature and taking sort of the uh, you know artificial to a whole new level, you know, putting an end to everything that's natural and replacing it with uh, with artificial things. Uh, and it seems like there's sort of a war on nature and uh, on human nature. Uh, but do you see the great reset and these other sort of dystopian uh, fantasies that were, you know, driving uh, some of this COVID agenda as, as being like uh, a war on nature and on human nature? Um, I, I definitely think that, that, that there's a war on humanity. Um, I'll say that. And um, I really do appreciate you giving me so much time today um, on your show. I've got to get ready to to wrap up here because I'm going to be filming my show first thing in the morning. I've got a meeting in about five more minutes. But I will say in closing that I think that there is definitely um, a war on humanity. Um, there's a war against life and there's a war against good. And, and, and I'll say that evil is very prevalent. And you don't have to, to be a particular skin color to be of a particular religion or a particular economic status to know the difference between good and evil. And I think that if we're light workers or if we're, we're children of God, whatever your race may be, whatever your religion may be, um, it's time for us to unite and come together and fight for what we all know to be right, <laughs> regardless of skin color or religion or anything like that. It's just time for, for you know, light workers to come together. And, and I think that people of the light, you know, there's good and bad in everything. You know, they're, they're good, bad people. They're, they're bad black people. They're good white people. They're bad black people. They're good Jews. They're bad Jews. They're good Muslims. They're bad Muslims. They're good Christians. Good and bad is in everything. So good <laughs> has to come together to fight against this evil. And that's what we're seeing right now today so pick a side amen very well said thank you so much angela stanton king uh, appreciate your coming on tonight and sharing your thoughts and i do hope to uh check out your book uh and learn more about you maybe get you back on the show at some later date so thank you again awesome thank you so much god bless okay you. god bless you bye. too bye-bye that's angela stanton king uh, best-selling author uh, former congressional candidate and uh, another uh, voice outside the box that you're not going to see a whole lot, at least not in terms of friendly coverage, in most of the mainstream media. Okay, well, we we have half an hour left of the show, and uh, Angela had to head out to her meeting. So I'm thinking we could maybe, uh, let's see if, if our uh, trusty producer, Mr. Rowe, wants to come on. And then there's also the possibility of randomly calling somebody up and seeing if they're uh, they're ready to talk. Um, I can see a, a few people I could randomly call and put them on the spot. But uh, in the meantime, I'll, I'll wait and see what Mr. Rowe thinks about whether he wants to talk. Uh, things have gotten so crazy right now with this whole uh, this this Russia hysteria that, as Andre Martinov said in, in the first hour of the show, yeah, it's, it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. You know, all of these wild uh, uh, attacks on Russia and on Putin. Uh, these these wild rhetorical flourishes and this this loud propaganda that we're just drowning in, 
doesn't really seem to be matched by anything substantial in terms there's, of what, there's what, a uh, there's sort of a anti Russia Russia phobia or or like uh, I, I've heard of restaurants and places wanting to change their name like the Moscow Cafe in America somewhere as well. We got to can't we just or no there was a bar that wanted to, the the white russian they wanted to you know can we can we change the name of the to the white ukrainian now i guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh and and then it's also the opposite like for example the video game world is is like i've seen these little add-ons where you can dress up your like for the trucking simulator you can put the ukrainian colors and paint your truck like a Ukrainian, you know, flag and all this. I stand with Ukraine to, to support them. So it's and, – and I've noticed um, for the first they're time – They're changing in, Chicken Kiev too. Don't forget that. It's, it's, oh, it's it Chicken so. Kiev. It's got to be Chicken Kiev or however you pronounce it in the Ukrainian <laughs> dialect. Kiev. Um, but they, 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 there's uh, – oh, what was I going to say? There's, there's – uh, oh. Um, oh, all these companies that are like – you know, leaving Russia, and I think maybe it, it might actually be a good thing because all that corporate mojo, um, you know, all the, the unhealthy things and all of the the big companies that are really just out for to make a profit, they're they're now leaving Russia and boycotting it, and so maybe maybe you know they're going to have some cleaner living over there, and then the first time for a long time we've got Switzerland declaring no longer neutrality. Um, you know, no, isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, I, I had Guy Meton or Guy Meton, it's uh, M-E-T-T-A-N on the show a while back. And he, he wrote a book on Russophobia and uh, he's Swiss. And and uh, I, I just can't even imagine what he must be thinking right now. Switzerland, no longer neutral. Crazy <laughs> it's reaction. like the Pope isn't, isn't Catholic anymore. You know, there's crazy reactions like we've got the um, Special Olympics are no longer going to allow um, participants from Russia. And what did they well, do? Well, that'll teach those, those <laughs> handicapped <Yeah>. people. <laughs> you know, what did they do? What did those people do? Um, you know, like it, it, it's, it's just, just the, the, um, the level, the contrast of, of, you know, you're either just, I mean, I, I guess it's virtual signaling. Everybody's yeah, there's some university that's no longer reading Dostoevsky. And and you've also yeah, and you've got um, some some interesting uh, bedfellows with the Chechens who are fierce you know warriors and they're also Muslim uh, are now fighting side by side with Orthodox Christian uh, Russians uh, for a common goal I guess of going after what they call Ukrainazis. Um, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Isn't it? The Chechens and the Russians have a, a pretty checkered history. <laughs> yes, they, yeah, they, they, the, the, it was kind of like the Cowboys and Indians in a way, with the Russians playing the Cowboys and the Chechens playing the Indians. But uh, Rosman is not. Yeah, he's he's a, he's got his own little fiefdom there, I guess. Putin, he's fiercely loyal to Putin, Rosman Kadyrov, and Kadyrov, uh, and I guess he's the son of the other leader, and they're still. Um, there's the Ikerians who are still breakaway, and they're, they, they're not recognized formally by anybody, and they're actually, a few of them have been uh, reported fighting on the Ukrainian side. Um, and, it, you know, there's just, it's, it's a little bit complex. I guess now, according to some of the updates, um, they pretty much have the uh, Azov Battalion stronghold surrounded, 
So yeah, they're expect- yeah, the cauldron has been capped. So yeah, so yeah. they're expecting some heavy resistance, though. There's already reports of some resistance. Um, the freedom, uh, the at freedom underscore slips Twitter page is keeping kind of a running tally on a lot of the footage that you're not going to see anywhere else. Um, so if you go to Twitter and you go to at freedom underscore slips. Uh, just scroll down through there. You'll find footage from, you know, reports from, from Putin. Uh, you'll see, uh, footage of, you know, the air stuff, helicopters, the military equipment. There's a 64 kilometer, um, uh, convoy of Russian military equipment. Um, and there are reports of prisoners and uh, captives on both sides. Um, you know, both sides have left their equipment. Both sides have had, some losses and stuff, although I think the Ukrainians, unfortunately, are going to suffer far worse than the Russians. And um, it, what what appears that the Russians are doing is they're not trying to fight the Ukrainian people, obviously. They're not trying to go after civilians. They're not trying to hit targets as far as civilians. They're not doing the conventional war where you just go and bomb everything and destroy everything. They, they don't want to kill all the infrastructure, obviously. You probably heard that before. Yeah. And uh, unlike the Americans, who always kill off the infrastructure the first right. thing they do, right? So they, they, you know, and they've actually distributed leaflets um, showing or instructing Ukrainians or Russians or whoever, um, you know, how to basically get through this war, um, how to get the things started back up again and live a relatively normal while this surgical operation is going on. They're going after obviously military targets, um, and. Uh, they, they've, they've actually, there's a guy that's out there now. Uh, he was in Kiev and now he's in Kharkov and he was reporting, there was actually a bounty on his head because he was reporting what was going on, just, you know, on the ground, regular truth stuff. And, um, I guess RT took it and you know what news places do? They snip things and they make it so it's a little more dramatic than it was. And so they took his, report and chopped it up to make him sound like basically Mr. Putin's, you know, guy. And that really pissed off the people at the hotel in Kiev that he was staying at. Um, so they kicked him out. Literally, the woman like dragged him out. And no, no, him no. Out. Who, who are you talking about? Um, he goes by the name of Gonzalo, Gonzalo Lira uh, okay. on Telegram and YouTube. He's also Red Pill. Um, let's see. What is his? He, is Red he Pill coach, coach Red Pill. Um, I believe he's Argentinian. Okay. And uh, but you would think you he, he you would think he's American. He speaks perfect English. But he's over there in Kiev, and uh, he just by the seat of just by sheer luck, he left the hotel. He left his uh, apartment and hotel, I guess. And he was uh, he had left, and he got a phone call. From his neighbor saying, hey, you know, these guys came looking for you uh, tonight and they were really serious. They were pounding on your door and he died. I don't know if they got in, but they really wanted you. And he didn't know what all this was about until he got a. a and they said, well, why? And well, do you realize that RT took what you said and it's all over the news? And he looked at it. He's like, oh, my God. You know, they're like, yeah. <laughs> and apparently that same night was the night where they they killed a mayor. They kidnapped and well, uh, took another one um, as a prisoner, and I guess they've got uh, they, 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 a lot of people disappeared. There's journalists that haven't been heard from. 
Um, and he was like just sort of do 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 with his orange cap. Um, and he walked right past these people that were having this argument in Russian, which he doesn't speak. Turns out they were arguing about him. <laughs> but they were they were so involved in the argument, like, where is the guy? Blah, 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 that they didn't notice he was walking right by him and he didn't know anything about it. He's like, blah, blah, blah. he's like, I guess I'll mind my own business. And luckily, he got on a train, made it to Kharkov, and they said, hey, man, don't be walking around. You need to stay in hiding. You know, there's people out that – there's a bounty on your head. It's like I, don't, I think it's either fifteen dollars or $50,000 in Bitcoin for your head. Um, so, you know, he's like in a, quote, unquote, secure, safe location somewhere in Kharkov. And there was a hoax that went out on Sky News saying that he had been killed at the border with his face. But that turned out to be a hoax because after that was out, he's sitting there posting stuff. Um, and that was tonight. So there's um, – yeah, and apparently the nuclear power plant – oh, the nuclear power plant. That was um, – they attacked the uh, training facility, and it wasn't the Russians that attacked it. According to information, uh, it was Ukrainians, and there's, uh, there's also some video from I think the French journalist that said, look, I'm here – on the ground next to the people i have no stake in this i don't care for putin i'm not trying to da, 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 but the ukrainians are shelling their own people you know like she's bombing they're they're bombing their own people and and it's it's probably the azov it's and you know they've been stopping a young men or anybody from trying to leave at the border they've yeah. had forced conscription yeah, right up to age 62 out. or something like that right uh yeah yeah, they're passing out AK-74s. You know, I, I just had my 63rd birthday, so I guess I could go there and, and not get drafted. Well, there's another thing. There's actually, the, I saw today, if you, quote unquote, if you want to go fight for the Ukrainians, I guess America's okay with it. All you got to do is go to the local Ukrainian embassy or, or um, consul with your passport and apply and tell them you want to go and fight and uh, be a, a soldier there. You can you should bring your own equipment, but it's not necessary. <laughs> and oh, man. So this think, is just what they did with the Muslim community back when the CIA was sponsoring Al Qaeda. And they said, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> we'll make arrangements to put you out there and then you go and do to do, do. And now Russia responded yeah. by saying, look, we don't recognize if you're not formally in a military, you're just some freedom fighter or whatever you want to call yourself, somebody with a gun. And you're not like we consider you we don't recognize any of the charters or treaties you will either be shot and executed on the spot or you will go to a work camp in siberia with hard labor forever <laughs> so mm -hmm. they basically said that you know it's so no that, that sounds like a real adventure i can't wait to go down to the ukrainian embassy and apply not <laughs> the thing the thing i think a lot of people including unfortunately a lot of ukrainians are missing is this is a little bit deeper than just russia and putin are trying to take over ukraine da, da, da. apparently there's, you know, un unsubstantiated to me, but it seems this what that there is evidence that there are a lot of labs there, different types of uh, yeah, biological warfare labs. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and you've got obvious the, the, the Azov battalion, the neo-Nazis, they're known. I mean, they, they don't make any bones about it. They just proudly declare who, what they do. And uh, and they've they've been known to crucify people on crosses. Um, and do other horrendous things that we we don't even want to speak of. I mean, if you think that's bad, they get, it gets worse with those. Yeah, and, and those are the guys that the Russians are really after. When the Russians yeah. say their goals are to demilitarize Ukraine and denazify Ukraine, what they mean by denazify is to get rid of all of those guys. 
which I find it ironic that we've got some real Nazis who proclaim they are. They're like, here we are, the Nazis. And the left on this side is like, you know, everybody's a Nazi, but they're the ones that are going to say we should fight on that, the Nazi side over there. Yeah, they're the good is, Nazis. You know, it, it, it reminds me of back when they said, well, Somoza may be a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch. Well, now these, these left-wingers are saying, well, they may be Nazis, but there are Nazis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's going a little too far, though, isn't it? I mean, come yeah. on, guys. <laughs> That's just how crazy this world is. It, nothing makes sense, and it's hypocritical. And it's corrupt. It's because, you know, it's corruption. And and we we look at that and we kind of shake our head. But, you know, there's money behind it. There's power behind it. There's leverage. Obviously, you know, NATO sees that these guys are going to let them play in there. And if we can get closer closer to Russia and we got to do it through these guys, that just goes to show you how low, how low politicians will stoop. But it, see, it isn't the first time, though, Ro, you know, after World War II, the United States uh, <laughs> grabbed a whole bunch of Nazis and brought them over here. You know, Werner von Braun was the most famous and the most talented. There were a whole lot of uh, talented Nazis who went to you know, work the in Russians all kinds of fields too. for the CIA and yeah. aerospace. Yeah, they did that on both sides. Yeah. Um, that was a free-for-all, I guess, because it's like you got a lot of talent and nowhere to go. And so it's we better scoop them up, and that's what... Yeah, with uh, Project Operation Paperclip. Paperclip, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Nazis are the worst thing in the world until you actually can use one, and, and then, <laughs> then you're, you're good friends with them. Oh, boy. Uh, so uh, I, I thought Andre Martinov in the first hour was uh, onto something with his observation that it doesn't really look like the West has a very – practical response here. I mean, you know, theoretically, I guess they're going to try to bleed Russia. They're going to try to get them bogged down in Ukraine, sort of like happened in Afghanistan in the 80s. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. You know, yeah. they, I've seen that the Brits and stuff are sending some equipment, but the Russians, from what I've seen, they're, what do you do? You're putting all, they put in all of their old substandard equipment up first. They're throwing all of the older tanks and their standard, you know, conventional uh, stuff up in the front and getting the brunt of the resistance that way to kind of see where it's at. They haven't even put forth their new stuff. Now, the Chechens have some new stuff, but the, the brunt of the Russian military is just sitting back twiddling their thumbs right now. Um, waiting for orders. And I think at the same time, you know, you've seen this, these huge columns, they're bringing in the, the next waves. Um, Putin is going to saturate Ukraine and he's going to dig in. And at that point, it's pretty much over. You know, there's, there's, I don't think anything that NATO is going to do outside of escalation. Um, and I don't even, I don't think, I want to say I don't think NATO wants an escalation, but here I am trying to think that these, uh, you know, going along the premise that everybody wants peace. And I don't think that's the case. You know, we've got some crazy madmen and, and they'll say they want peace. They'll say, oh, you know, we're doing this for the good of the people and, you know, virtue signal this and that. But what their real agenda is, I mean, I've I've played around with the thought that maybe this is actually all part of the script for the Great Reset. You know, maybe it's like the signal. Russia starts with Ukraine and things escalate out of control. And, and then we have, you know, a, a nice, convenient way of 
making things happen, if you know what I mean. And well, I they'll, they'll be able to blame the economic collapse on Russia. You know, it's already happening. I mean, the economy's already uh, going down. Gas prices just went up 10 cents overnight, and it's going to keep keep on going, keep on getting worse. The economy will be screwed. But now uh, Biden and anybody else who needs an excuse for a bad economy can point at Putin and say it's all his fault. And Russia, for uh, a couple decades, and I know this because I've, I've followed this a little bit, they have been systematically preparing to be completely independent. Um, they have gone through drills and tests, and they've provided so that they can have their own Internet, have their own uh, energy in, um, independence for oil and electricity and gas. They, they don't need the, they have their own military independence. They have their, you know, their, everything, their, their economy. So if they're shut off from, you know, the banking system and all these other things, they've already prepared for that. And they're fine to just, you know, if they need to go, uh, basically autonomous for a while, they don't need the rest of the world. <laughs> well, China will keep trading with them. And, and then you have the bonus of, yeah, China, China basically saying, yeah, we're, we don't have a problem. So it's it's going to hurt us more than it hurts them. And yeah, that's that's exactly what Andre was saying. Um, and, and in particular, we're going to see, the, you know, Europe's going to be killed by energy costs and by losing this gigantic Ukrainian and Russian market. And then the U.S. will be OK because it's, you know, we will be, you know, we're competing with German industry and German industry is going to be destroyed. And European industry in general is going to take a huge hit. So the U.S. will have a leg up there for a few years, he says. Um, but then it, it's going to get bad here, too. So, yeah, I, 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 don't know. I was thinking about writing an article with the headline, uh, the propaganda dogs bark, but the Russian caravan moves on. Because it, it does seem that that's kind of what's happening here. The, the yapping is just I've never heard it this uh, loud and shrill before. I mean, it's, it's shocking. I mean, the, co- the COVID hysteria was bad enough, but this, this anti-Russia hysteria seems to be trying to, to top that, which I didn't they think just- was possible. Is seamlessly switch gears from, you know, one hysteria to the next. And I, I hope, I hope that the information really does get out though, like as far as these bioweapons lab and the human trafficking. I mean, Odessa is, mm-hmm. is famous yeah. for, for human trafficking. I yeah, mean, it's, it's been an organized crime hotbed for a long time, of course. Yeah. And I hope that stuff does come to light so that the people, you know, can actually see, oh, all right, you know, this wasn't, this isn't the work of some madman Putin, you know, he's going, he's going crazy or he's a madman, you know, that, no, no, it's, they, they don't like our freedoms kind of crap. And yeah. Yeah, that, that's so, why you have to change the name of uh, Freedom Fries or French Fries to Freedom Fries and Chicken Kiev to Chicken, whatever it is. And yeah, yeah, that, that the level of of public discourse on these things and you know, the, the the propaganda uh, it seems to be really geared towards the lowest common denominator in a in an almost shocking way. I mean, looking back at some you know, propaganda from earlier wars, you know, you, sometimes it's it's shocking at, at how crazy it was. But then war comes along in our time, and suddenly here we are. We're surrounded by stuff that's equally stupid, and everybody seems to just accept it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, I just don't get it. I guess uh, it's the same people, too. Um, you know, you could, you could almost, you know, it's like set your watch by what type of standpoint someone is going to have when they're in, you know, this certain mindset. Because like clockwork, I think, it's a, it's a testament to the to the propaganda 
and the strings, the puppet strings of the propaganda on a good portion of society where they just say, look, everything is red. Now it's blue. Now it's red. Now it's blue. Jump. There you go. And everybody's like, yes, like a circus. Mm-hmm. They got him trained. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of it, I think, operates below the level of consciousness, and, and that's that's where Edward Bernays came in with you know, Freud's discovery of the unconscious, and so Bernays created the first real modern war propaganda for World War One, and then after that, he he took that talent and used it for uh, advertising and public relations, so-called, which is really a those are fancy words for brainwashing, and you know Bernays' work has been developed, of course, by the propaganda specialists ever since. And so we can see now how you know all this always operates on the emotional rather than the intellectual level. You know, people people's emotional buttons are constantly being pushed, and you know Putin's a monster, and and the Russians are committing atrocities, and this and that. And here's the heroic Ukrainian fighter, the go the white ghost fighter, shooting down all these Russian planes. It turns out the whole thing is a complete hoax. But who cares? Oh, ghost of Kiev, yeah, Ghost of Kiev. It, it feels good, so it must be true. <laughs> and then the, the thirteen, uh, the thirteen of Snake Island. It said "F you." Yeah, 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 yeah. Turns <laughs> out they're all happily in Russian custody. Uh, oh boy, yeah. You you can't really make this stuff up, but uh, it's it just kind of washes over people or brainwashes over people, and and then you know, it's just like the way COVID. You know, COVID just washed through everybody. Like yesterday, it seems like we were all being hammered with the COVID propaganda. And now the news is telling us that, hey, why are these truckers bothering to go to D.C.? Because it's all over. Yeah. Oh, the NFL, like, lifts all restrictions. People are like, oh, you don't have to wear your mask and da-da-da-da. And, uh, yeah, suddenly, you know, the world is not in danger of dying from COVID anymore. So, so I guess now- we were – the conspiracy theorists were right, but but nobody seems to want to put it that way. You can take your mask off. We're all going to nuclear war. <laughs> <laughs> but, but did you see that FEMA actually did issue instructions for what what to do in case a nuclear bomb goes off nearby? And uh, they did include that you should maintain six feet of social distance and wear a mask. <laughs> Don't look at the flash. <laughs> right. Make sure you have a mask on when you're bending over and putting your head between your legs and kissing your ass goodbye, as the old uh, hippie poster used to say. Oh, man. <laughs> We live in interesting times, and here we are. Here we are. It's uh, it's just totally unbelievable. So, so Ro, you think that people should be in- investing in um, precious metals and or Bitcoin now that it appears that the stage is set for de-dollarization? I think a little bit of both. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, um, don't don't fall for the um, the government controlled crypto, but I think we should be aware of how blockchain technology works so that we can create our own local currencies. And we can create our own blockchain tech. And, and, and also, you know, we need gold, too, just in case. You know, mm-hmm. so I think it's better to be prepared bo- uh, for, you know, multiple contingencies. But at this point, I wouldn't trust a government backed something, something, you know, mm-hmm. I and, and Bitcoin is not government backed. Gold is not government backed. But U.S. dollars and euros and pounds, those are. So, yeah, I would get out of fiat into something else, even if it's property. Um <laughs> right. And, and property, of course, has gone way, way up. And a lot of people think, well, it's got to pop and go back down like in 2008. But others say that's not going to happen because the fire sector has so much cash and the inflation is going so out of control that they're just pump all that cash into real estate, keep it going up, up, up till nobody can own a home anymore. Yeah. I and mean, I think this is going to be an interesting year. And we were only like just barely into the third month. So by the end of this year, a lot of interesting things I have a feeling are going to happen. And, and I think there's going to be revelations that come out from the COVID and the shot. And, uh, 
Yeah. So maybe this is the, the real awakening year, but in a, in a better and more positive way. Let's, let's well, uh, inshallah. Yes. Inshallah. God willing. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you'd think it, it couldn't be that much worse. Although I guess nuclear war could be a whole lot worse, but, um, I, I would hope that it won't come to that. Uh, and maybe we're ready for something better after, after two years of having our minds and our bodies uh, locked down and, <laughs> and restrained in all these bizarre ways. Uh, uh, our faces muzzled. Uh, you know, maybe now that we can put that behind us, we'll have something, uh, something, some energy will, will arise and we'll be able to actually accomplish something positive. Well, uh, let, let's hope it plays out that way. Thank you so much, Ro. Always good to talk with you. Uh, it's fun to chat and, and get your take on this stuff. And yeah, very, very good observations there about Ukraine, by the way. <laughs> All right. We're out of here. Okay. Bye-bye. That's Mr. Rowe, the trusty producer here. He has his own show here at Revolution.Radio, the greatest of free speech networks. Support Revolution Radio in any way you can. There is a score and a donation page there at Revolution.Radio. Kevin Barrett, TruthJihad.com is the website. Be all